0: What's up, everyone? My name is Chris Hagen. This is Above the Standard, the podcast brought to you by Barbell Battalion. My guest today, super excited about it, is Captain Jared Sergi, author of No Nonsense Leadership and captain of Norfolk, Virginia Fire Rescue. Jared is a phenomenal guy, such a great background in the military, the fire service. He comes in to this with great practices. His take on leadership and team development, honestly, are the fire service versions of the same thing? Jocko is preaching in all his books. It is phenomenal. He's a great guy, level-headed. Uh, sounds like a phenomenal person to work with. To be honest with you, uh, please give it up for Jared Sergey. Jared, what's up, man?
1: Yo, what's up, man?
0: Hey, hey, man. Everything, uh, everything is good. How's life down in Virginia?
1: It's great, man. It's great. No complaints
0: here. So uh, I was kind of sharing with you my genesis towards uh, reaching out to you. I had worked my way through, I would say, a bunch of Jacko Willings books, and um, I was kind of looking for something more tailored towards the fire service. There was tons of uh, lessons and tips I could take and, and interject them into the fire service but I was really looking for something that was strictly geared towards leadership in the fire service and to break down that bracket even more so, something that was towards a company officer. And so just kind of scroll, scrolling through the uh, Amazon feed, I came across your book. I, and I had come across it a couple times, and I didn't really – I think at that time I was just looking for maybe like a, a, a Jacko book. And I, I had – like I said, I saw your book, and I'm, when I got through it all, I was going on vacation to Miami beach right before the whole Rona thing kicked off. And, um, I want something I could read on vacation and, um, that wasn't entirely crazy long. And, um, it was easily, easily packable. So I ordered your book and man blown the hell away. Like it is legit on par with any like Jocko book, any leadership book, John C Maxwell book, I've read in its ability in to influence itself into the fire service. So Bravo on, on a, a well-crafted book my man. Um, I appreciate that. So I, I wanted to, to kind of hear, hear your story in, in, what what brought you to to write this book in the first place? I'm actually super pissed I didn't order it directly from you to have it autographed. That's how much I love it. I have it's sitting right in front of me with a bunch of yellow tabs hanging off of it where I pulled so much stuff from. And I'm gonna later on I'm gonna address one thing that you had talked about on page one twelve that I think resonated uh, super uh, super close to me and my experiences. So um, okay. so, Jared, what? Uh, Tell me about your career. I know you spent some time in the armed services, and then and tra- and then transferred um, over to the fire service. So, if you could, kind of talk about your journey uh, from
1: there. Yeah, so I went in the military right after high school. Um, so, where I grew up in Southern California, probably like a lot of departments across the country, it was definitely an area I was moving in. I um, just applied to like a really large. You couldn't go through just a fire academy. Like they, they didn't hire you, send you through one. And where I was growing up like your golden ticket was your paramedic card right like they they wouldn't even look at you unless you had that thing so i couldn't afford to go to school at the time and so you know i was in rotc in high school junior rotc i guess and so i was around friends and they were going off to the military and i was like you know what i was dating the girl at the time, her brother was in the navy and so i said well what the heck let me look at this like why not why not jump in the military? Like, go have some experiences and get money for college. And that was initially the whole reason I joined the military was I just to some cash so I can go get a paramedic cert and get out and get, get on the fire department. Um, so I didn't have these, like, expectations of I'm going to go in the military. I want to check these boxes. I'm going to learn some stuff. It was like, bro, I just need some cash. <laughs> so, so, so off I went, and, uh, and I loved it. So I was a damage controlman in the Navy, which is, you know, a shipboard. Everybody in the Navy gets shipboard firefighting at a very basic level. Uh, the damage controlmen are the ones who, like you know, they they keep up with the training, they maintain it, they they train the ship's crew, they hold drills. But they're the fire department on the ship. Best way to put it. So I did that, and I learned a lot of valuable leadership lessons. That I don't think I really paid attention to at the time. You know, I look I, back at that, it was just way awesome what I was exposed to, and the people that I was exposed to, and their styles, and both good and bad. But I picked up on a lot of things, and then it was time for me to get out. Um, I was stationed out here in Norfolk, and I was thinking about going back to California. But, you know, it was like, you know how fire department tests are. It's like, it's, it's lengthy. So I take the written test, and I couldn't physical because we were underway. You know, still active duty. So I said, what the heck, let me just drop some applications around here in the Hampton Road area. And Norfolk was the first one to grab me. So I've been there for, this is my 15th year there. And uh, signed to an engine as a captain, and I, I absolutely love it. Norfolk's a great department. It's a it's the old East Coast city, so there's a lot of tradition there. A uh, Really small department as far as the city is very small. It's only sixty something square miles, but um, it's a busy place to work, a fun place to work for sure.
0: Okay, so so take uh, your 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 work from you know moving through the ranks, um, what what was your driver to write No Nonsense Leadership?
1: So I think like a lot of things with, um, at least people I kind of hang out with, a lot of things have like been driven by frustration. So I would say some of it was frustration, some of it it was because you know, I've always had a desire to, to try to mentor somebody. I like the coaching aspect of being a company officer. I liked it when I was in the military when I promoted. So, I always wanted to be in a position to create a culture, even on a small team, you know, like with the hope that, you know, other people pay attention and they pick up on that. And, and then we do the same thing in the whole department. Um, so I started writing blogs and stuff for fire engineering and I would write articles and I actually had a friend of mine say, Hey, look, why don't you just put all this into one thing? You know, you have all these, these different themes on your blogs and your articles. Why don't you just put it all in one package? I was like, all right, what the heck? And so when I when I wrote it, my goal was, kind of like you, like we talked about, and there's all kinds of different leadership books out there, and they're awesome. Like, I'm, I love reading all those books, Jocko's books. I'm a huge Patrick Lancioni fan, uh, Maxwell. Like, it's all awesome. And I, and when I wrote this book, I'm like, you know what? I'm just a normal dude like a lot of the people. Like, there's a lot of people in my position um, that when they read these books, it's like, well, that's great, but how do I apply it as a captain or a lieutenant in a fire department, you know? And so when I wrote it, my goal was to have something be practical, realistic. Like, Hey, when someone reads this thing, they can say, Hey, you know what? I like this or I don't like this, but it's, it's relatable, right? It's like, man, this is like talking to a guy in another department. Like he's going through the same struggles I go through. He's dealing with the same thing I am he really wanted it to, to relate to folks. And so that's the reason I really wrote that book was to. To try to help people out there that are in my position, they're going through the same things that I am. You know, I, I tell people all the time like they're going to buy that book and think they're going to pick up a book by like a Salka or Vescuso or like got thirty plus years in the fire department. It's like, sorry, bro, you might you might be you might be <laughs> let down. Like, this is just simply my experience um, and what's worked for me so far and what what really hasn't worked for me. But you know, there's a lot of people in my position throughout the fire, so I wanted to try to be able to to make it to a lot of
0: folks. One of the things that, that I took away that was so um paramount to me and I think it just solidified or identified just in my own mentality, but also kind of went opposing to a lot of the structures that, that I kind of felt and, and went up with in the in the fire service, both in terms of the the the, the chief officers that I dealt with, but also those that I respected greatly and, and one of them that you said, I think the direct quote in your book is "Give a damn about your people," and right. and care caring about their development, and and not so much in, in addition to wanting them to to thrive in an environment professionally, but but understand they could be going through a lot of bullshit at home that they might not bring to work, but understanding right. what they're gonna bring. Um, what they're going to bring from home is going to impact their day and understanding who they are as a person um, is going to add just that extra element where you, I think as an officer are going to be able to pick up on nuances um, about right. so, um, what, wh- wh- what's wrong with the mentality? I guess in your opinion, what's the problem if you have uh, leadership in your, in your industry, in, in your department, that says, "Listen, I'm not the guy. I don't care uh, what your child's first name is. I'm not that kind of chief. I don't care. I don't know. I don't know when your when your daughter cut her first tooth, and and that's just not who I am. I, in my mind, that's they might be a solid manager, but in order for people to really buy in and thrive in your industry, I think you you really need to take that extra effort um, to to care about them. And you referenced, I believe, something." super great in your book that I kind of implemented myself was you uh, had a notebook and you took notes on your people and you had uh, the ability to kind of dive into them specifically each person. And it really helped, um, Uh, craft your understanding of them. And I kind of took that same approach a little more and like a digital approach into my phone, but I took, um, you know, people that I knew. And one thing that would really piss me off and it just made me look like an asshole was I I would forget people's names of their wives or children. And these are people that I knew for 10 years that, that I really did consider my close friends. And I just, I would come up to them and I would ask how their kids are doing. And I would be like, so how's, the the, the the fam, right? Never. The fam, right? So what I started doing is I would put a little bit more detail into their contact info in my phone. Um, a guy in my fire department, his dad is just a a, a Vietnam-era veteran badass. His mother has MS, and he, we have his children, children's names in there. And it really helped me, like, every time i go to call that guy, I would see that in his phone. It really helped me start to build... Um, that sort of recognition and and really put into my memory their that sort of like personal touch to them. So, what is uh why is that part important that you have found in in your career, not only in the military but but in um at Norfolk?
1: I would look at somebody like, well, you know, what's what's their problem or whatever? Like, well, they got a lot going on at home, and I would be the first like, well, this is work, man. Then you leave that crap at home, and I'm like, problems. I totally admit that I was the guy who'd say that every now and then, but as I, you know, as I come up in the fire department, as you mature a little bit, your perspective changes. Like, hopefully, growth comes along with with that time. I'm like, you absolutely have to, to care about that, you know, like, and you know that I think there's the old style leadership that it's not just the fire department; it's anywhere. It's like people were taught in leadership, like we just have to manage things. Like, you should just be able to manage things, and as a supervisor, if if the end of the day, your numbers increase, uh, your, you know, your income goes up as far as a company, like you're meeting these benchmarks. It's like, you're just simply there to manage things. And you know, it's this old way of thinking like people just want to be managed and that's the bottom line. It's like, no, they, they don't like some people in a way, they appreciate that structure and stuff, but it's like, if you want to get results out of people and you want to build that trust and credibility, like, one, they have to know you're a human being. So you can't just be this callous manager that doesn't care about anything that's going on in their personal life. Right? But if at one point you're going to have to go to them and you're going to need their help. And you're going to be like, Hey guys, I need you to do this for me. And if all you've ever been is just this callous manager and didn't care about their personal life or what's going on at home and knowing that they have the same struggles that you do, uh, even if you don't bring them to work, like not everybody is built the same way. So um, I think understanding your people on an individual level when it comes to trying to, you know, I, I talked about that culture and that reputation. Like if you think you're going to come into a firehouse and, and build this culture and reputation simply by just going in there and being a manager, then, then you're way off. So, you know, you're going to want buy-in somewhere, whether it's, whether it's a mindset, whether it's something tangible like a project or, or something like that. Uh, you know, if you want to see results and positive outcomes, you absolutely have to treat your people as individuals and really truly get to know them and remember those things about them because that's what they want of their supervisor. They want people want to know that um, people want to be they want to trust their supervisors. And they want to know that those supervisors care about. Them.
0: When when uh, you you were talking about in the book about the importance of having uh, the ability to size up your people and and mm-hmm. why that was so important, um, not only when you would go into. Um, maybe a a, a a firehouse that had a, maybe a younger um, a, a younger company versus mm-hmm. the one that had been on for a, for a while that was really yep. they 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 were seasoned they were they they knew their stuff well um, and I think you even mentioned like that you you were maybe like the younger officer officer coming into that company yep. which I think is is, is an experience that um, so many people in our industry feel. Uh, going to a new firehouse right after promotion, and they're going to experience um, a dichotomy of those two things. Um, Where did you find uh, work best for you when you were that younger guy going into a more seasoned house and you had to, um, one, you had a a standard that you wanted to maintain and you wanted to set, but you also had to be respectful to those guys in the firehouse?
1: I would say the first thing is humility. (laughs) Um, You know, it's just going in there, and not having this attitude of like, Hey, I'm the captain here and I'm, I'm kind of running things and and all that. I, I think the important thing or the message to send, I guess would be the best way to put it is like, for example, when I got there and I sat down with that crew, I'm like, look guys, like while I'm the captain here, my whole job is to try to add value to this team. Like, that's all I want to do here. Like not, you know, I know how young I am. I know how my tenures in the fire department. I know how much time you guys have. Like, I respect that. Like, like I'm just here to add value to the team and hopefully share things with you, and I'm I'm hoping that you know you guys open up and you teach me things as well, and so I would always run things by. Like I was always very fortunate to have the senior guy in the firehouse be the driver. Uh, for the most part, it's been like that for me. And he's always my driver. So like when I was at 12, this particular station, my driver had over 20 years on the job, like experienced guy been in the tech rescue program, just just an all around great firefighter, and. It didn't matter if I was tackling the conflict in the station, if I was going to plan a training drill. I always went through Mike. I'm like, hey, Mike, I'm thinking about running this thing. Can I just bounce this off you? Let me know what you think. And they really respected that. And it wasn't just, uh, well, the captain's just making us do things. It was I always consulted at least, you know, at least the senior guy in the firehouse to say, hey, what do you think and how do you think I should approach this? Uh, I think that goes a long way um, when it comes to, in that particular place trying to build trust and and credibility and things like that. But I think if you go in there with, and it's almost like sometimes there's that pressure, like, Oh, I just got to go in here and it's a senior crew. And man, I really got to have my, my stuff together. And it's just like, they just try to be dressed, right? Dressed. And it's like, bro, like you're going to make mistakes. So do they, so you like, you're, you're just part of the team. I think if that's a lump all that into one thing, I think if somebody's in that position, and they're going into the junior officer with the senior crew, you just got to go in there with the mindset and share with everybody, how, look, like it's no secret how long I've been in. We all, Everybody's aware of my time, my tenure, my experience. My whole position here, and I have no problem sharing that with my folks, Like my whole position here is to add value to this team. The reason I got promoted was to do my best to look out for you guys to get what you need and add value to the team. Like I'm hoping that... If I share one thing with you that makes you a better firefighter tomorrow, then then that's a win for me. And if you guys do something that makes me a better officer, um, then that's a win for me as well. So it's it's kind of a collaborative effort. It's, you know the goal is to the collective, not just not just the manager and the employees. And I think with a senior crew who may even be used to some of that leadership style, uh, appreciate that much more if they just see it's just one of the team, the guys on the team, you know, one of the gals on the team.
0: So when you went into it, regardless of of of, of who it was, um, one of the things that I took away um, was y- you definitely had a a standard and a um, a motivation for fitness. And mm-hmm. you share the story about you, your uh, take. You take your crew to a track, and you're okay. running you're running circles and running circles. And you see some guys that are just kind of um, uh, kind of messing around, just kind of lo- lollygagging. Um, and I thought your approach to that was, was really dead on. And it, it was, you don't have to go out here and do the Murph while you're out here on the track, but right. I, I need your heart rate up. I, 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 need, yeah. I need you to, I, I need you to do at least do something out here because we're not going to waste our time. I'm not saying you have to do what I'm going to do, but I need you to uh, put this emphasis on, on your, um, your fitness. With, yep. how, how has that been um, getting that engagement on fitness? And it's gonna sound kind of like a dumb, kind of like a dumb question next, but why do you? What's the importance of having that 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 de- dedication to fitness? And I know it's it's easy for some, but but we have a lot of guys on this fire department that that not this fire department that I'm on, but nationwide that that are pushing like some pretty, oh, yeah. some pretty heavy boundaries. You know, three and four hundred pounds. Um, yep. That that are, are really true um, obstacles for not only uh, a victim but for us. So so in in your mind, in your department, in, in how you approach your your company, why why is your fitness important to you?
1: So I always you know one it's like you know we're professional athletes, and I think that's something like kind of like John Spar and Tom Johnson say, like we're professional athletes, right? And I think sometimes. It's an accountability issue, and sometimes it's just an apathy issue. But some of those people that allow themselves to get that big, you know, they're not the only ones showing up to a fire, right? So it's like, you're not just going to get three big guys showing up to the structure fire. You're going to get them, and then you're going to get probably, for the most part, some pretty other fit or semi fit people who, you know, they take care of themselves showing up. So what naturally happens is bigger folks, at least in my experience, from what I see, they're just not involved. The other people pick up the slack because there's just the job to be done. Right? And then they go back to the firehouse and they just there's nothing there's no one there to really hold their feet to the fire. In some cases there is and that's good. But you know, the fire service, you know, people it could be easy for some folks. They they kind of stand off to the side, they'll hold the door, they'll run back to the truck and get a tool. You know, there's those folks who can kinda of hide in the shadows a little bit and unfortunately they're not held accountable. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, you know, I, I try to teach precepts back through am like look fitness is just as important as going out and stretching hose lines and forcing doors. It's all it's all part of this package. Like you have to be well rounded. If you're not taking care of your bodies, um, then the bottom line is you're not gonna be able to go out there and perform. That's just the bottom line. You know, and on top of that, it's just of all the other things we're exposed to in this job, it's like why wouldn't you want to keep your body healthy? You know, I, I, I see these stories or I read these stories about these people that retire from the fire service and they live like five years and they're dead. You know it's they don't take care of the bodies. It's like, that shit just terrifies me. Like, I don't want to be that guy. And I would always tell people like, look, if you're not going to work out for me then work out for your family, like do what you can to keep yourself healthy from your family. And then just being good at your job will just be a natural byproduct of that. So I always try to impress upon my folks and there's always room to get better. Uh, My guys are pretty good about it. Um, I wouldn't say we have like a regimented workout program, but there's always someone like, Hey, three o'clock, we're working out today. Yep. Got it. Um, And they'll, you know, they'll shame, we'll shame each other. And, you know, I have lazy days like anything else. And, you know, I can't be working out today. It's like, oh, you bastards. Right. Yep, let's do it. You <laughs> yeah. Know? But, but it's good. I, but I need that. I'm the kind of guy I need that. I need that nudge. Um, so I always try to impress upon them that fitness is absolutely important. And I got a couple guys in my station that, you know, they'll come up to me and say, hey, I'd really like to start working out more. Like, we work out? Can we do these, you know, like, organized scheduled trainings? Like, yep. And I let that dog hunt. It's like you just tell me when you tell me what we're doing. It's your show. I'm there with you, buddy. Um, so I think it's absolutely, absolutely important. I, uh, not only me, and I'm lucky. I have other guys that, that take care of themselves and they're fitness junkies at my at my house, and they do a good job of, of pushing other people as well. So yeah, we, um, but it's, we can, it's absolutely critical.
0: Yeah, it, it, I'm fortunate enough right now that my shift right now we we have that same. Um, that same mindset and that same sort of drive and that same man that, that it's like they're like a, a pin that you're stepping on all the time because they're always kind of poking you, trying to get you better. And it's, it's, right. it's pure fire, like fire service, humor and jokes. And, but it, it it really is true. You know, on our four day, we'll, we'll have a group text and you know, one guy you know, ran six miles Well then guess what well guess what motherfucker I'm I'm running I'm running eight. I'm gonna run eight I'm, I'm gonna run eight today. And then one guy well I just did the Murph and it's like like and it's it it just I think makes you a much stronger even if you're not in the greatest shape, but you're trying to get somewhere, like the mindset and the mentality that you're continuously moving forward, I don't care if at that point the scale is not showing a lower number but the fact that your right. mindset is continuously going and more conscientious of what you're doing and what you're putting in your body and and what you're trying to accomplish, that drive and that integrity is going to show a lot more long-term than what that scale is going to show you in the short term.
1: Um, oh, yeah. and our, our department has gotten good about fitness. In fact, we have a policy that says everybody will work out 30 minutes a day on duty on in our policy. And that doesn't always happen, like, you know, I typically, I'm not one to throw policy in front of people's faces and be like, "Hey, you didn't work out today? You know, have you got your 30 minutes in?" I am try to keep an eye on it. If some people aren't, you know, if they, ha- I haven't seen them doing anything for a while, and we're doing like a group workout, it's like, "Hey, everybody's doing this." You know, I expect everybody to be down here to participate. Um, the only time I'll ever really shove is on an incident, right? Like I can remember one time we had a guy who, you know, like couldn't make it to the third floor. It sounded like he was about to just code, man. Like he was in bad shape, and I'm like. We got back to station. We had a conversation. It's like this is a problem, you know. The policy stays thirty minutes every day, and you know, which is very classic of any type of conflict. He was just very quick to divert to somebody else. Well, like, uh, well, well, Joe doesn't work out thirty minutes every day, you know. It's like, well, Joe can make it to the third floor without any problem, you know. So this is clearly an issue with you. You should have some ownership and take care of it. Uh, and eventually, that person did, and, and they had some slight improvement, but. Um, and usually when I, it, it's the point where it's starting to impact like your ability to do something as part of your job description, that's a problem, right? And it needs to be addressed.
0: What was it like having that or leading into or going into that tough conversation? Um, did you have everything queued up, ready to go? Was there apprehension? Um, having a tough conversation is probably one of the most difficult things we we actually do experience managerial-wise on the job is we will oh, yeah. go, we, we will go to a fire. No problem. We will go to the most crazy incident you can imagine. Uh, we, there's trepidation, there's nervousness, but we, we get the job done because that's what we trained for. But man, outside of public speaking to a, to a city council, having mm-hmm. a tough conversation with someone that's either that is underperforming, having an issue that, you know, is going to be difficult that, that will probably have an impact on the functionality or the everyday life of that crew um, is probably way more terrifying for the most part than anything we're going to come across. So uh, how, how, Jared, how the hell can I get better at a tough conversation?
1: So um, but you're right. They are tough and nobody likes them. Not even me, right? Nobody, nobody wants to sit down and have these conversations. They're awkward. It's just, you know, and I think, I think, you know, the firehouse is different. Like, and you look at police, right? I look at the way, um, like I have some friends who are cops, and they will talk about accountability and discipline. But I even think it's different for them, right? Because for the most part, cops are riding around by themselves. They're separated from their supervisors. There's some distancing, right? Firehouse, I think, makes it harder because you're around each other 24-7. You're eating meals with them. You're joking. You're, you're just around each other all of the time, right? So when it comes to trying to hand out some discipline or some accountability, it's like, Oh man! like this is gonna make things awkward right like right. man we got like one of the guys scheduled a pool party this weekend you know this is gonna <laughs> that's gonna come on the heels of this conversation you know it's like I don't want to make things awkward and it's just that's just the dynamic I, that's what I think makes um the fire service like accountability conversation thing a little bit different than than other because I use the police department, but it's like there's a conversation you have it with the person and off they go and there's not that you're never around them, but, you know, you're not you're not surrounded with them 24 hours a day. So I think the first thing, um, and we kind of talked about it earlier, is, like, it all goes back to having built relationships with people. And like, even that person that I had that conversation with, like, I did my best to build a relationship with him. I knew his wife's name. I knew his kid's name. I knew, knew where his kids went to school. I knew what his wife did. So, like, I, and I knew that because I wanted to know that about him. So when I sat down to ha- have the conversation, it was like, look, this is, this is professional and it's not personal. Like I'm here to tackle the problem and not you, like I'm not coming after you personally. Um, and so I think as long as you send that message, like, Hey, this, the whole reason I'm having this conversation is for, for growth of both parties, right? Like I want there to be growth. And I want to see you succeed and, you know, I have a vested interest in your success here. And this is the reason I'm having the conversation with you because this is, this is very important to me. Um, so I think if you can approach it with that mentality, um, but it'll, it'll, I mean, it can still go like, you know, it's going be a total disaster. But for the most part, um, it's going to make that having that conversation a little bit easier. And as far as having my ducks in a row, you know, it just depends on the issue. So like if it's a violation of a policy, I'll have that up. If it's something in the job description, I'll have that up. Like I want to go in there kind of guns loaded, not that I'm going to have it all laid out in front of them, but if they're like, Oh, well, you know, if it does get to the point, and it that happens, right, where people will challenge you, and it's like, well, show me where it says that, or why, why do I even have to do that? It? It's like, look, it's right here in the policy. I don't expect you to like it, but I do expect you to do it. You know, so um, those how little things will
0: help. How important is it to maintain y- your professional professionalism and calmness during this exchange? Because you, oh, yeah. you reference on page one twelve, and man, this is the one thing I took away from this book that, like, like. It, because it hits so hard on on something that I experienced and I want on page 112 that that hit me hard is the biggest this is what you wrote the biggest mistake you can make as a supervisor is act off emotions such as anger and frustration and not not off a logic and man that that hit me so hard because one of the worst experiences that I ever had in my career was a half-cocked moment where I think it was a shitty day and annoyance unfound. I would say unfounded annoyance. And I lashed out on, 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 on one of my guys for his, for his behavior. And it took him so off guard. I did it in front of another captain and he was like, well, peace out. I'm getting the fuck out of here. And him and I had like this conversation and it was like, we we're on a carousel of conversation and it wasn't sinking in with him. It wasn't sinking in with me. And, I like pulled away, and it like it fractured that that professional relationship for for, for a long time, and yep. and really he did he did nothing wrong. It, it was firehouse ball busting, and you know for whatever reason, whatever prior behavior I was like picking up on had not like I went into it just un, unloaded, and it was the most unfounded and probably most embarrassing part of my. Now I, I have crashed. I probably hold the record in my department for crash trucks. And it is the one thing that I hold, the, like still to this day, hold the most guilt about. And it's one thing I reference all the time: is is going into everything with that calm manner. Because the second you don't, I mean, it's a it, it's really a reflection on you as a leader. Yeah,
1: and you can't take that back. And I've done the same thing. I, you know, I'm I'm a human being. So I I've, I've had those things where it's like, boom, I just had this emotional just reaction. It's like shit. Nah. and when, I, when the time the one time I remember doing it, I did it in front of other people. It was just like, I just got angry and boom, I just, it just came out. And I ended up having to have a conversation with the guy afterwards. And it's like, he was a firefighter. I was his captain. I'm like, look, I owe, I owe you an apology. Like I shouldn't have done that in there. I was wrong. Like that was totally irresponsible of me. It was unprofessional. Like I was embarrassed, blah, blah, blah. I went, and, and it's good. Like he and I have now nah, have a great relationship, but, but I did. I was like, man, I screwed up. And so, you know, being in control of your emotions is, is huge, and I think if you're in a conversation, whether counseling or a discipline or whatever, you know, the first person to lose their cool loses. And if it's the supervisor that loses their cool, I would even take it a step further and say, you know, now who has total control of that conversation? Not you anymore. It's them, right? Like, you've lost, you've lost control of that conversation where you tried to take it. They own it now. Um, so, you know, whether it's you or the person you're sitting down and have the conversation with, somebody has got to say, and it should be the officer, be like, look, we got to stop here. You know, I, I've had a, um, a time where a guy was really upset about something I was talking to him about. It was a performance thing, and he stood up. He had, like, the counseling that I had, and he, like, zipped, like, threw it, like, slid it off the desk, and was like, I'm not listening to this. Are we done here? And now I could have been like, oh, you, you know, yeah. yeah, no, we're not. Sit, sit back down. <laughs> right. But it would it would. It would have not worked out very well for either of us. So it was like, look, yep, we are done here. I was just very calmly. I said, you know what? We are done. I said, but I want to continue this conversation. I want this to be a conversation. I don't want it to be an argument. So how about we both take a breath? And we're gonna, But we need to revisit this later. And so I I didn't wait to shift. I wanted it to be done that day. Like I didn't want any distance between it. So like later that evening, I found the guy. I was like, hey, look, man, I know this is not something you want to talk about. Frankly, it's not something I want to talk to. That's awkward for both of us. But we need to have this conversation and I want to be productive. Like can we grab a cup of coffee, how about we go out back and let's just let's just chat. Like and it was a very neutral place. I said all the same stuff that I was said in the office, you know, but it was somebody had to be the bigger person there. Thankfully I had that, the mindset to say, Hey, you know what, we need to we need to stop this right now because had I not it would just it would have been ugly. You know, so absolutely being in control of your emotions. I can't remember if I put it in the book or not. But there's this quote. Um, it says a good commander is one who could step on your boots and still leave a shine. And I always really liked that because it was like, you know, I could, and you relate that to a, like a difficult conversation. It's like I can come in, I can sit down with somebody, I can have a conversation that focuses on the problem, nothing personal. But when they walk out of the office, there's some solution, there's some resolve. Like they don't feel like I just totally slashed their legs from underneath of them, you know. So it's like I can still step on the boots and leave a shine. You know,
0: how important was it on uh, your decision to maybe change that environment from the office to out back with a cup of coffee?
1: I um, think for that, it was huge, you know, because, you know, you know it is, man. Like, you know, you're in a firehouse, the captain gets on the intercoms, like Jared, uh, Jared's captain's office. And it's like, you know, already walking into an office, come on in, sit down, close the door. You know, like the, an- the anxiety just built. Like, I've never been an physician firefighter, you know, like get in trouble cam brings me in all right sit down knucklehead like you know the anxiety increases the heart rate's going up it's like oh gosh, you know so just completely taking it to like a bench out back sitting on the front bumper like you could say all the same exact things like it just it's just in a different spot it's a a neutral zone for both it's comfortable as where the office it's just awkward there's no windows you know possibly but it's just a it's just a different feel, you know, I mean, bringing somebody in off- into an office as opposed to just sit on the tailboard. Sometimes I'm not saying you got to do it on the tailboard every day, but there's a lot, it goes a long way sometimes just taking that conversation somewhere else.
0: Oh, no, without, w- without question, not only does it kind of, it, it almost disarms their, um, either skepticism or their anxiety, um, or their, or their preconceived anger, what's going to, what's about to happen. And, like you said, you can still accomplish the same mission. I love that you can ac- still accomplish yeah. the same mission, but they're they're probably going to be in a more relaxed state, which means they're going to be able to receive a lot more of that that message as opposed to sitting across a wooden desk in, a, in an uncomfortable chair, looking looking at the officer. Because you know when when you sit down in the office and the door is closed, very seldom is that for a good reason, and uh, right. It, it, it is and it's it it's a i wish when they build a firehouse they would outside the door have it like a doctor's office where they have like the little flags right um because you you don't know what a lot of times you don't know what you're going in for and you know you could walk into a chief's office and it says hey sit down close the door and you're like, yep. oh shit. Alright, well I didn't I didn't back up Yeah, right. What I, I, do I, now. I didn't back up in anything. I, I signed that medical report. Um I, I I know I stretched that line pretty well. Um and they, then they'll go into something random, like, hey, you submitted for these uh these halligans. Uh which one do you want? And it's like, holy yeah, shit. Right. Like, wow, that took a lot <laughs> out of me. Um I wanna kinda of segue um over something that's like really that I'm I'm passionate about too, and it's the the importance of developing yourself professionally as an officer um there is i think a in at least in my area a lot of reliance and in, in um i won't say glow i would just say reliance on the fire officer one and two program and poof you are ready you go off you can manage your crew and beyond beyond those there there are Outside of conferences, very little to help take you into that role. But after you're in that role for a little while, good, bad, or indifferent, I think uh, developing yourself and continuously reading and learning uh, is so, I think, paramount um, as an officer. I think that when you have chief officers that are becoming threatened by up-and-coming captains, up-and-coming battalion chiefs, um, it might be because there was a little bit of of, of lax uh, behavior on their part in terms of their education and maybe that officer, or even that firefighter that's testing for the next rank of lieutenant who might then test above you for captain or higher, has put their foot on the gas pedal in terms of training and hasn't let off of it. So right, how, how is how important is it as an officer that that we maintain? Um, just this, I would say, foot on the gas pedal of of education and learning.
1: Man, I think it's, I think it's probably one of the most important things. And we talked about culture and reputation and stuff earlier. And it's like, if you want to see professional development, it's got to be at the company level. Like, I, I, I firmly believe that. And programs like Fire Officer 1 and 2, it's like, those are great. But most people just use those to check the box for promotion. There's no, there's no buy into those programs, and let's be honest, they're kind of weak. You know, they're like they teach More you how to weak. be some. They teach you how to be a manager, maybe, um, but you know, these are these are canned programs that people roll out. They think, well, if they just get it, like they're going to be up in the right seat, they're going to be good to go. I think as an officer, I tell people all the time, like you're still a firefighter. Like, <laughs> like yes, you're an officer, but you ride a fire truck in most places, so you need to be good at all of the things that you need to be teaching your firefighters how to do, right? Like engine stuff, forcing doors, stretching lines, ventilation, search and rescue, fire behavior. Like if you're not out there educating yourself on this stuff, then you're not going to be able to do it for other people. Right. And sadly, you know, like people don't change. Like, it's not like you have a company officer who's like failing to develop their people. Um, you know, that only starts that bad cycle. Right. Cause if I'm a, if I'm a dud officer and I'm not doing anything for my folks and, some of those people are good people, but they're just watching my example and they take the test and they don't do anything for themselves because they've seen they've had an officer who was rewarded with a promotion and they didn't really have to do anything. Now they're going to land in a position of leadership. and guess we're going to do what they're going to do for their folks. Not, not a damn thing. Right. And like it doesn't change. Like there's no magical step you just fall into. Like if I'm a dud captain and I get promoted to battalion chief, there's a pre- pretty predictable outcome there. I'll probably be a battalion chief who also doesn't do anything, <laughs> you know? And it's like, I don't know why we scratch our heads sometimes, like, oh, why is this happening? I don't get why this person is this way. And It's like they failed to develop themselves as a firefighter, as a company officer. So, you know, to think, you know, I, I try to impress upon my people all the time that the fire service is bigger than 62 square miles. Like, there's a lot more out there than Norfolk Fire Rescue. And if they're not out there, taking classes from people from departments big and small, volunteer and paid, um, you know, different different backgrounds, department makeups, like broadening their horizon and gaining that perspective, then and, and they're only hurting themselves. And and they're going to be one of those people later on that is going to be stubborn when it comes to change and stuff or stubborn when it comes to having an open mind about things because all they ever know is their small little backyard. And I tell my people all the time, too, like, you think you're going to come to work? and get everything from me that you need to be successful in the fire service, you're wrong. Like you'd be naive to think that way. And I want them in that mindset because I want them to go out and and push themselves, broaden their horizons, and get that perspective and everything like that. So, you know, for company officers who are going out there, if they've chosen that path to be a company officer and they've made the decision to have that responsibility, you know, it's more than just a pay raise in your own fancy bedroom. Like there's a lot more that comes with it and it, it's, constantly developing yourself so you can develop other people. And, and I don't think I talked about this in the book, but, you know, some things that I think we have to be careful of, like I hear people say all the time, you know, like if somebody gets promoted to captain or battalion chief or higher, they're like, well, that person was a good fireman, so they're gonna be, they'll be a great chief. It's like, I just got to be careful with that. Like, I'm not saying that that's not true. I'm not saying that they were a great firefighter not taking that away from them at all, but things change. Like you have to develop yourself along the way, right? Like if you spent time investing into being a good firefighter, then that's great. And you got promoted to Lieutenant and all of a sudden you pump the brakes and don't do anything like, and then you keep continue advance to be a captain or battalion chief. Like there's a little more to that position than just being a good firefighter. Yes. That's, that's valuable. There's got to be more, and the military does a good job of that. The military recognizes that. They have constant, deliberate, professional development training all throughout their ranks. You know, you don't just see junior officers and petty officers, at least I could be for the Navy, getting training, and then it's like, all right, dude, you're good to go. We check that box. See you when you retire. So there's a constant investment in the development of their people based on the position that they hold. So um,
0: That's where I think, I, mean, we, that's just- I think we use the term paramilitary organization at least for a large majority of the fire service i think a little unjustly um yeah yeah we yep. we, we yep. like to say because we have black boots and we have an organizational chart we're a in a, a hierarchy we are a paramilitary organization and yep. we have a a guy in my battalion who's a longtime member of the guard and And he was the first one to really break it out to me. And he was like, you guys have no idea what what paramilitary means. And and that was one of the biggest takeaways I had from him is is exactly what you said, is the military does such a better job on structuring leadership and development as you climb through the ranks. And um, how important is it... um, I I I know the answer that's coming, but the the way I feel I feel like when you are the officer, if you are the captain, man, it would be even if we had more chiefs going on the drill ground and pulling line, humping hose, being the backup man, feeding line in the door with with their snoot in the training tower. Um, I think this life would be a lot. We would be a lot better for it. Um, Absolutely. Have you seen a difference? in your organization or in just your experiences for those officers like yourself that are humping line versus those that are still wearing their polo and they're watching their guys pull line or throw ladders and they, they might give a couple, a couple wheelchair quarterbacks.
1: Oh yeah. So I think the officers that go out there and get involved, they earn a lot more trust and respect than the others. And the ones that are, either the ones that are not out there doing it, they're probably like the ones that we just talked about before, right? They haven't done anything else before, so they don't they don't have anything to pass along. They can't teach anybody anything, so they're just going to sit there with their arms crossed in their polo and say, I'll just do this, do that, or let me put it in target solutions, and we're done here. There's no there's no teaching. There's no mentoring. It's just, well, let's just go out here and do it. Um, and so the ones that are not out there getting involved, it's, you know, I think... If you put two side-by-side side and one that got in their gear, moved the lines, offered something, taught something, mentored, coached, like performed as a company officer, and the one who went out there and said, all right, guys, we're going to go out and we're going to stretch the line. All right, let me see you guys do this. All right, all right, get it back, put it back on the truck. All right, good, okay, let's get out of here. And there was no, it was just like they're a checkbox company officer. You know, they're not going to have, or at least they'll struggle to get the, the respect the credibility, the trust, than the other one. You know, that's just, and the Chiefs are no different. Uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough, for my Chiefs, and I have an awesome Chief. He's a rock star. You know, he's always on the drill ground. He looks at the calendar. He sees what's going on in the battalion. He'll show up at training. Like, you know, and he may not be putting on his gear and crawling around in the hallway with everybody, but he's out there. He's asking questions. He's supportive. Like, that's what you want from your battalion chief, you know? Um, and I could tell you, I could speak for him when he was a captain he was that way as a captain he was in his gear he was crawling hallways he was stretching lines like he was involved and people respect him as a chief they respect him i think more like he's one of the i think if you were to to put a top five list of you know have everybody rate their their better battalion chiefs i mean i'm can't speak for everybody but i feel like he'd be up there simply because of his behavior and his actions and his involvement and he is the one that's out there constantly developing himself, you know, with other officers. Like example, we had a, we had a speaker come in, I can't remember who it was, but we had a speaker come in from out of town. I think it was Nick Martin, actually. And it was, um, it was an aggressive command class and it's awesome. And so he was the only chief from our organization that showed up to that. He was the only one. We've got a lot of chiefs. So, either we're doing things really, really, really good in Norfolk when it comes to commands, or... He's maybe one of the few that realizes, hey, this professional development thing is important. Like, I didn't just get promoted and I'm, I'm good here. Feet, 10 toes up. I can just kick back and relax and pump the brakes. So he believes in that mindset too, you know.
0: And how can we, how can we help? Because I think there's going to be a lot of um, maybe lower-level ranking officers or even senior guys that are having that underperforming officer who they're following chain of command. They're, they're, they are wanting, they are recognizing a need, they are, are seeing um, that they are going to be able to, to envelop more training. They are trying to work better to, to work through their guys and get, get their guys and girls trained up to a higher level, but they're, they're, they're reaching that, that, that ceiling in that officer. How would you suggest that that officer... I wanna say work around that, that, that chief but or that the the, oh, yeah. the next ranking officer, how can they better I guess get their message out and in and, and help their guys out?
1: Yeah, so you're saying like people that are like they the company officers the roadblock and then trying to get some training and do stuff around the station. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I get that I get that occasionally. And what I tell people is if you're not getting it for like so example, I had one of my rookies one time said Man, one of my friends, like, they came out of the academy together. He's like, they see all this stuff that we do. Like, his officer, they don't ever do anything like this. They never out and pull lines together. And he's like, Ugh. like, this sucks. You know, why can't I do some of this stuff? And my answer to them is, you know, depending on your organization, that is not going to change for you. Like, you you can't write a transfer request for your officer. So you either have a good one or you don't. Um, and that's just the reality. That's just the reality, right? Like, you're going to work for some bad officers, Uh, hopefully nobody ever does, but the reality is you probably will on occasion. So I tell people all the time, especially if they're new, it's like, look, you have to make yourself the expert. You have to go out there and do things on your own. And if, if, if somebody is failing to, to help develop you professionally, you got to do it on your own or find somebody else that will help you do it. And hopefully there's guys in the station, hopefully not like on this Island and just nobody (laughs) is doing, nobody is doing anything with them. But I did have a guy that was like that with them. like, you know, nobody wants to do anything. It's like, look, man, that sucks. There's no other way to get around it. The position you're in sucks. Like, I wish I could just, like, adopt you and bring you over with my crew. But we, I can't do that. So, you know, pull the lines off. Ask, ask the operator to pull the brake off. I don't care if you just butcher it. At least you're out there practicing. Like, try to get better. The, the amount of information that's out there on the, the interweb is just crazy, right? So it's like, pull some stuff up, practice it, watch it, videotape yourself. Like, try to make yourself the expert. Oh, there's a chainsaw in your truck, a bent saw? Pull it off, start it, go online, look up the tech manual, read about it. You're, like, you're just going to have to do things to, to develop yourself because, sadly, no one is taking the time to, to invest in your development. And, and that sucks. Like That's a crappy feeling, especially as a new person. Um, but two things are going to happen. Like If the crew goes out and they start doing some training and they're involved, even if the company officer is not being engaged one the officer is gonna like they're gonna run a shame campaign and the officer is gonna be like oh man like maybe i should get out here and do this stuff because my guys are and they'll get involved and they might even learn something right or two they're not gonna do anything they're gonna see that and be like oh those guys know whatever and they're gonna go back to doing whatever they're supposed to do and guess what i'm not changing that you're not changing that they're probably not changing that either and that's just the sad reality right um they need to go out and make themselves the expert as long as they're out there practicing and doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, then, then they, then you do what you can, you know, you, you do as much as you can because on the incident, that's going to go out there and make that officer probably look good. You know?
0: Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's a taking the ownership of it. If you've recognized the need and, and you've identified exactly. the problem, if you've identified the problem, it, it, not that it's your fault that it's happening, but it's your fault if you don't do anything to make yourself or those around you better. Even, even if you're not doing as aggressive training as, as you're able to, you can look at umpteenth other um, shifts, battalions, uh, departments, and, and say that they're doing everything better. Um, if, if you've attempted in, in, the, in the most fulfilling way possible to try to get change, Out of out of your officer, like you said, you can't write a transfer slip for your officer. Um, But you've recognized it. You've noticed a deficiency. It's now no no matter what, it's on you. Like you have to take that ownership and say, "Listen, I'm not going to be. He he or she might be shitty. I'm not going to be shitty. The 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 guys that I pull the truck with um, aren't going to be shitty. And and one of the things I was told a long time ago and, and it was it was probably the best piece of information that I got is when you get on the truck you want to be that firefighter that people look around and say thank god he's on this truck not oh god yep he's on this truck right right you know there's a there's right. a, a big difference between the thank god fireman and the and the oh god fireman and if 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 you've recognized a need to enhance your training you've already Crusted that route into. Thank God you're on this truck because you are now taking the steps to at least try to make you and your company better.
1: Right. Um, yeah. And it's a, that that whole thing sucks. There's no there's no easy answer. Like you know, guys are like, hey man, I got this off-street. street us do anything with us? Like we just have to do stuff on our own. I'm like yeah, that sucks. There that's a crappy situation. There's no like there's no answer that I at least I can give them that's going to make them feel better other than just you have to take individual responsibility you got to make yourself the expert you guys got to do it on your own even if it means like not including him or her or whatever the case may be because again like i said before they're they're gonna they're gonna see that and they're gonna step up or they're gonna see it and they're gonna continue to step down either way you got to continue to do it and i'll take it a step further like sometimes the, those officers are apprehensive because you know some don't care let's just be honest there's some out there I mean, i've seen them they just they just, they're checked out they're there, they're going to collect a paycheck, like those people promote, <laughs> so, um, but there's some out there that's like, some people don't know what they don't know. You know, maybe somebody didn't teach them something, where they feel, they're insecure about it, and they feel weird about trying to get out there in front of people, so if you see that that officer is that type of person, like, an olive branch, right, like, that's part of good followership, too, like, I, ha- I had a chief one time, like, and it's my opinion, like, I thought he was, I thought he was tactically weak, right? So but the dude was like an administrative rock star. You know, I'm kinda weak when it comes Nothing. that I'm a tactical rock star. But I feel like I have a decent grasp on things. Like, you know, I try to be a student of the game. So it's like I could either sit there and criticize him for, for that or I could say, Hey Chief, you know, we had this incident, what do you think about this? Like let's have a discussion and try to try to help. You know, like it's you should fill in the gaps of where your leader has those weaknesses now if they don't care it's going to be difficult and that's going to make you not care but if you feel like they have a genuine interest in learning like help them out like get them out there if you're stretching lines like hey cat man let me show you something i i practiced the other day let me just show you tell me what you think and you know engage them a little bit if they're at least stepping out onto the grill drum but don't leave them hanging entirely like if you feel like you have a chance to extend an olive branch if they're of that type of personality man throw it out there but you know, unfortunately, and this would be the, going back to the people that we really feel bad for, it's like they might have that also that they don't care. They, they're not going to pay attention. They're not going to get involved. And that's just, that's
0: just sucks. How can you, how, how can you go about, or how have you gone about balancing um, maybe unpopular decisions or initiatives, policies that come from above you and in your level, you you kind of have to play patriarch to both. You're yeah. you're a, you're you're a microphone. You're a microphone for your crew, um, but you also have to be the the um, the bearer of policy from above. And it, it's a very um, difficult line to balance because you still want to make sure that you're you're there for your your guys and, and making sure that you are. Uh, Emphasizing the the interests of, of of your own firefighters, but also understand that that you're in at a high enough position now that you have to promote some of the um, initiatives coming down from above. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that been for you in 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 your role in in trying to um, balance both of those dichotomies?
1: It it could definitely be difficult. Um, and if somebody is out there that knows a way to just clearly deal with every like policy change that you don't agree (laughs) with and kick man, call me up because I I have that. If that's hard, that's hard. It is, it's tough, man, because, you know, there's going to be things that I disagree with like professionally, personally. And it's like, I don't, I don't want to do this either, you know? And I know maybe some of the crew does or doesn't want to do it. So it's like, yeah, for me, when I, when there's something that's kicked down the line, the best thing I could do is try to communicate it, like, properly. One, make sure they're getting all the right, and this is from the top down. Like, if my chief comes to me and says, hey, we're rolling out this new policy, or this is what the fire chief expects, that's a, he's the, he's a man with a fuzz nuts, right? The fire chief can do whatever he wants. So, um, if he rolls out a policy, I have to support it. Now, I don't have to like it, and that's one thing I tell my guys all the time. I don't care if it comes from wearing a certain type of jacket, to, hey, you can't wear those pants. Like, I don't expect you to like it but I do expect you to do it. Just like I don't always like it, but we do it. That's the policy. Like if, if you don't like it, you can always submit an amendment. You can make recommendations and I will pick them up the chain of command, but this is the way it is right now. And unless it's something that's going to get you hurt or put you in a bad position, it's going to give the department or the station a black eye. Well, then we're going to follow the policy, right? And we're going to follow the expectations of the fire chief or the chief officers, you know, um, but if there's something that, like, I really, like, I try to be a shield for my guys, right? So if something comes down where they're, um, where I may disagree with it, and I know a lot of them will disagree with it, I won't have the conversation with the crew. Like, I'll have, I'll wrap it out with my chief. We'll talk about it. We'll come up with something, but I'm not going to immediately go into, like, galley game and be like, hey guys, I got to go talk to the chief about this stupid ass policy they're kicking down because I've already lost. Like, I'm, because they're going to like, yeah. Yeah, it is dumb. They might not even know what it is yet. So I wanna make sure I get all my facts straight. I communicate with my supervisor, like my battalion chief, uh, and while we may disagree or agree on certain things, like when I walk out of that office, there's gotta be an agreement, right? Because especially for me, my battalion chief's in my station. So we're a united front. Like we could disagree on things and we do occasionally, but the crew doesn't see that, right? They see they see one team as it should be from your leadership. Um so the best thing I do is I try to communicate it to them properly. I explain to them, well, they don't have to like it. It's something that we have to do, um, you know, and, you know, every good policy has shades of gray, right? So um, we want people to be critical thinkers, and I, and I have no problem explaining that to them. Like, while this says this in policy, I'm a firm believer that there's got to be shades of gray. And if what you do or a decision that you make can be justified, be prepared to back it up. Because if you're right, I'll back you up 100%. But if you're wrong, I'll also hold you accountable. Um, so communication is key. Um, asking, clarifying communications from your supervisors is key. Not just immediately getting something, but like, man, this is stupid and blah, blah, blah. Because even if you don't agree with it, like that's just, that, you can talk about paramilitary, right? That's the fire department. Because what happens when when you ask them to do something or you maybe change this thing in your station or you want to do this, Change the beat of the drum a little bit well here you are that your chief just gave you a policy and you just blasted it in front of everybody and said well this is stupid like you just did that with your supervisor so what makes you you basically just said it's okay for them to do that to you right so if you come up and you say this thing in line up like hey guys we're going to do this and it's like no this is stupid blah, 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 blah. they're gonna do the same exact thing so as long as you show that communication that united front um that that mentality of look while this is something that we have to do, I don't expect everybody here to like it, but it's something that we have to do. And if there's a problem with it, let's talk about it and we'll come up with some solutions. So, you know, that it's hard, man. I mean, I struggle with that, like I said. That is not an easy thing to do. The, the role of the company officer is to absolutely filter and download and digest all this information coming from the chief and deliver it to them in a way that makes them understand it Support the organization, the mission, and all that kind of stuff. But it is very, very difficult to do at times, especially if it's something you're like totally against. You know, who wants to go out there and champion something to the crew that you don't even buy into? You know,
0: yeah it's it's a it's almost not I almost say a negotiation, but you brought up a great point, and it's it's one area that up until recently I struggled with for years. And really, what got in front of me was my own dumbass ego. And I was just talking with this about with uh, Captain Todd Edwards from City of Atlanta, and you had you had written something um, that that was again stuck to me. It was uh, as, as much as it's going to pay me to say it. There's people that don't like me, and and there yeah. there are people that don't think like me. And when though when when those two characteristics are held by senior leadership. It is very, very difficult for for them and this is this is human nature in general for me to to champion a change and, and identify a problem and expect them to release some money to buy what I think is important, train on what I think is important, but then when I'm coming to work, I'm either not following what they need done. I'm not doing it in a timely manner in a standard that they kind of set. And it was giving a real true appearance of undermining what, what they were doing. And it really took kind of this, this curtain to come off my ego where it was, you know, they still have a job to do. They still have a mission. They have to get done. And in in what world would I respond the way I want them to respond if I'm giving them the, the attitude that they're witnessing back. And, Mm -hmm. and it was a true rev, like almost like a true, a true revelation to me that of course they're not going to buy into what I'm saying. If I'm being a piece of shit to them every single time they say they need something done. Um, So it, it goes back to that humility part two in it. It is that, that, that delicate balance of message delivery, both to your guys and back up up the top. And I think the, the more you can deliver the message as tactfully as possible down, down the chain, from the top, that when your guys turn around and say, Cap, I, I, I want to go to this class, and they submit and it goes up from there, you're going to have a better time if you can, so long as it the 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 message going down doesn't hurt anybody, doesn't get anybody killed, doesn't really affect any safety. If it's a a mediocre thing that doesn't really change the mission, that we have to click one more tab on the incident report, or we have to do this a certain way now. If it doesn't really impact things, we can we can we can move past it because in the long right. run, we're in the long run we're, we're, we're going to eventually ask for something. We are going to need something. You're going to need to operate good, better and different. You're going to have to operate within their good graces. And, yep. oh, yeah. and unfortunately it just, that comes with just having to uh, embrace the suck and doing it um, the way, the way they want. Um, Jared, thank you so much, man. Um, I, like I said, I loved your book. Um, no nonsense leadership. Uh, how can people get it?
1: Uh, so the best way is right on Amazon. Just hop on there and do a little search for it. Um, lately, I don't know, if it's just because it's like delivery or whatever, um, they can, like Amazon has been a little delayed with their shipping. But that's that's the easiest way to get it. And I occasionally will keep some books on hand. So not that I'm quicker than Amazon. You know, I'll try to catch on my days off and stuff. But they can always hit me up. They can go to the Facebook page on Trial by Fire, my personal page, and they want me to shoot them uh, a few copies. Um, I could do it on there too. So if they want to get a little bit quicker, but Amazon's the easiest, easiest route.
0: And uh, so, what's uh, what's book number two going to be?
1: Man, I don't know. So <laughs> somebody, asked, somebody asked me that the other day, and this is not my idea. The guy that I work with brought up to me, he's like, "Man, you should do a book." You know, like you see, you know, these people from the military and the fire service. Which I thought it was a really cool idea. It's just getting it started. So basically, something like. Uh, and if somebody does this and runs with it, take it, because I'll buy the book from you. Um, it's basically like um, getting people from, like, police, fire, military, like, different branches of the military, different um, different units within the military, and having them each, like, write a small, like, two or three pages. It's like there'll be different chapters, right? Like, teamwork, cohesion, accountability, difficult conversations, whatever. Like, having these these areas, these, like, fundamental pillars of leadership And having each one of these people write about them from their own different perspectives and experiences, you know, different diverse career fields, and then piling that all into one thing. So it would be like multiple authors just kind of compiled by one person.
0: The ultimate first responder field manual.
1: Yeah, I thought that was just like a cool idea. Like, that sounds awesome. That sounds like work. And I don't know if I want to start that right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jared, I, I appreciate the hell out of it, man. For people that want to follow you and see what you uh, what you throw out there, what uh, what's kind of going on in your brain, where can people find you on social?
1: Yep. So if you go to like Facebook, I'm on Facebook under Trial by Fire, and then um, I got an Instagram page. Also, you can find me on there, and then that's it. I, I I'll get across the country. Um, obviously, things have slowed down now, but you, know, you can catch me in a lot of the conferences. I travel around to departments and present uh, the company officer leadership program as well. So I I get out and travel quite a bit, so reach out to me, and, uh, and if you have any questions, give me a call, shoot me an email, I'd be glad to chat.
0: We just need corona to uh, get the hell out of here. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Jared, I wish uh, you and your crew, your department, and uh, especially your family uh, all the best with uh, all the craziness going on. I can't thank you enough for uh, um, kind of sitting down with me for an hour and kind of just uh, nerding out on some leadership Um, (laughs) You're welcome, man. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Bye. Bye. I want to thank Jared for coming on. That was phenomenal. I love listening to his his messages. And please, please go on Amazon, buy his book. You can contact him directly. uh, Find him on Instagram. Uh, please check him out. He has great messages. He wants to build a better fire department. He's humble. It's just a great, solid guy, and he has tactics and and, and ideas that will help you better your company, your department, your shift. Uh, thank you. Please uh, go out. Be safe. Don't forget to uh, tip your your waiters and waitresses heavily. Uh, they certainly need it. And uh, don't forget where you came from and Help people out. We need it now more than ever.